Ah, well, hello, church. Good morning. So we are, we're starting in the book of Colossians. So we're going to do a series on Colossians here. And um, so if you, I would love you to take, follow along in your Bibles. Um, there is Bibles in the pew in front of you, um, page 987 to start there. Um, and so and I was uh, starting to think about what, what, where do we start? Where do we start for as a, as a sermon series? And uh, um, the, the first question, if any of you ever preach, first question to ask, and, and, and what am I going to preach on, is I ask myself, Lord, what do you want to say to your people? Right? That's the, that's the bottom line. That's the question is, God, what do you want to say to your people? And, uh, but I don't know you yet, and you don't really know me yet. We're working on it, and that's going to be kind of the goal for the next number of months here is getting to know each other. But, um, but yeah, so I just thought, what, what can we start with? And just something that would just kind of lay a foundation, something that would um, kind of give us something all to, to come together around. And, uh, and so, of course, we thought, let's start with Jesus. And just to be able to lay him as the foundation for where we go to not just that, but to lift our eyes up to who he is. And, um, and it's something that as Christians, we should have that in common, right? Even though we don't know each other personally yet, we know him. And so we're all part of that family. And so Colossians is such a great book. Colossians really both establishes and exalts who Jesus is. And so that's why we chose this. So we'll be in this for the next number of weeks. Um, and so just to kind of give you an idea as to why, um, uh, or kind of the background, here I got to get, you got, it's got cool uh, technology here, so get my, get the thing so I can change slides. So kind of the background on Colossians to kind of give you an idea. So Colossae was a city about 100 miles from Ephesus, that would have been the next big kind of city around near to them, uh, 100 miles inland, mainland Turkey. Okay, it used to be a big, thriving city. It's kind of at a crossroads between the west and the east, um, but uh, it had really dwindled over the last hundred number of hundred years prior to this letter, and so it was really more of a small town. And it was only about ten miles from Laodicea, if you recognize that name, um, any of you. But but really, um, the next big city would have been Ephesus, and that's probably where it was planted from. So Paul, one of the interesting things is Paul had never actually been to Colossae himself. Um, it was planted by Epaphras, and we'll see him as we get into the, the message, into the series. So likely what happened was Epaphras was saved during Paul's ministry in Ephesus. He was there for about three years, stayed in Ephesus for longer than any other place. And so Epaphras probably heard the gospel there and then took it back to his home city and of Colossae and started the church there. And uh, in the church probably met in the house of Philemon, which you might recognize that's another book of the Bible. So we'll probably touch on that later too. But there's kind of the background. So there's Colossae. But one of the things that really gives you the context for the book is that it wasn't just at a crossroads ge- geographically, okay, but also culturally. And so you had the, the situation in the church at this time was that there was all this pressure of ideologies and philosophies from, from all around that were coming in. And so you had kind of the, the philosophy of the Romans and the Greeks that was coming and it was pressuring in on one side. You had kind of the Eastern spirituality, which we still have today, right? Kind of the Buddhism, Hindu, that kind of idea, those spiritualities kind of pressure coming into the church. And then, like most of the churches that started, there was kind of a Jewish 
um, group that was part of it as well. And if you kind of, a lot of Paul's letters kind of deal with that. The early church really kind of, the Jews were wrestling with, with the, the Jewish law and then now applying it. It's all been fulfilled in Christ. So what does my life look like? But they were so, they'd grown up following all these laws, and what do you do with that? And so that was present as well. And so you had all these pressures that were kind of on the church. And one of the things that made it really tough is that they didn't reject the Christianity. They hadn't fallen away. It was Jesus and, right? And so for, for the kind of the Greek, the Roman, call it the, the cultural philosophy of the day, it was something called Gnosticism. And so if you gnosis is kind of the root word for knowledge that we have today. So it was this idea that, that you could, the way to get to God and to know God was through some secret knowledge. You kind of went through these levels, kind of like up through, and to get more and more spiritual, and you kind of go through it. That, that was the, this idea that was really becoming more and more prevalent, unfortunately, in the church, but in the, in the time of the day, okay? So you kind of had that kind of ideology creeping in, and it was Jesus, yes, but also you need some secret special knowledge to really grow, and so that was kind of pressuring in on the church. And then you kind of get the Eastern spirituality in there about kind of meditate, and, and it's, it's kind of you're just going to you know, get there, enlightened, become more enlightened. That's coming in pressure. And then you had the Jews who were saying, no, 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 you still have to follow the laws. If you want to be close to God, if you want to know God, it means you have to follow the laws still. And so it's Jesus, yeah, Jesus, but and the laws as well, right? The dietary laws and the sacrificial laws and that. And so that's what they call it syncretism, if you want to have heard that word. It's kind of this idea that you kind of throw a big pot and you're just mixing it all together. Is Jesus, yes, the gospel that they had heard, from Paul and brought to them by Epaphras, but it was all kind of getting mixed in. And that's what spurred this letter. So Epaphras, kind of the, the one who planted this church as well, he's really concerned. And so he actually took the effort to go find Paul in prison. And so he goes off and he finds Paul in prison to say, Paul, what do we do? We need some of the churches in trouble. And, and so Paul wrote this letter back to this church he'd never actually been to, but he'd heard of them to, um, to establish Again, the, the foundations. And that's why we're calling this series Jesus, the Foundation. Jesus, our foundation. And kind of the idea that, as I mentioned, what the purpose is here for us for studying this book is to establish that for us, for our church, for Huron Chapel as we go forward. And so a couple of big ideas to steal <laughs> Ernest's term. The big idea, so this will be for the whole series, okay? And we're going to see these come out over and over, because it's one letter. We have it broken into chapters and verses. It would have been just one flowing letter written from Paul, right? And so here's kind of the big ideas. First one is Jesus, our foundation. That idea of just reestablishing what are we founded on? What do we build on as a church as we go forward? And it's Jesus, right? Then Jesus, our devotion, and kind of, I, I wrestled around with what word to use there. I was thinking aim or focus or vision, just something about kind of lifting our eyes up to who he is. It's about the direction we're going, right? And so that kind of an idea. So Jesus, our devotion. So what we're built on, where we're looking, where we're heading. And then the last one, Jesus, our salvation, the life in us. Because those first two things, that Jesus, our foundation and devotion, there's a lot of I, like where we are going, what we're building on but realizing that none of that can happen without first being saved, right? It's through Jesus. It's, uh, before that, we're blind, we're lost, we're dead spiritually, right, without salvation. And so none of it's possible without salvation first. And then even once we're saved, it's Jesus working through us. Even then, it's still it's his work in us that allows us to go in that direction. 
So there's our big ideas. We're going to come, we're going to be throughout the number of next number of weeks. Those are um, the big ideas. And, and kind of the introduction today, we're going to touch on each one of those. Okay. So we'll get right into it. Colossians chapter 1. And uh, starting at the first couple of verses there, this is just the introduction, so we'll just read through it and then just point out a couple of things. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. So Paul, I think most of us probably know who he is. He's an apostle, we might say a capital A apostle. So the beginning of the church, Jesus established these, this group of apostles that were kind of the leaders for the beginning of the church. There's, there hasn't been any more, okay? So there was kind of that initial, the apostles of the church, and Paul was one of those, chosen by Jesus, okay? And he was also a little a apostle. So the word apostle could also be used for missionary, church planter, okay? So Paul kind of filled both, but just so you know in your Bibles, you kind of have to do some discernment there, which one's which. But, but uh, so that's Paul. Um, he saved after Jesus ascended, right? In the road to Emmaus. If you, so something to look up if you don't know that story. So Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Timothy was kind of a traveling companion, and Paul was really a mentor to Timothy. Um, and so in this case, Timothy is also part of writing this letter. He's with Paul, obviously, at the writing of this letter. And eventually, um, Timothy would be sent to be the pastor of Ephesus, so kind of the nearest parent church, if you will. So connection there. To the saints, um, don't think Catholic kind of saints, Mother Teresa type idea. Saints in the Bible is just someone who's saved, okay? And faithful brothers, and that word brothers could be brothers and sisters. It's uh, not gender specific. So you guys, if you, we might say slang today. In Christ, grace and peace from God our Father. And that peace, I, he, Paul's Jewish, the idea of shalom, that's how they greet each other, right? It's not just not at war. The idea of peace is... Everything's in its right place, right? There's, it's the opposite of chaos. So there's the intro to the letter, okay? Paul and Timothy writing to this church that they've heard of, going through these issues. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. And then they get in, and this next part is going to be really that first big idea, Jesus the foundation, Jesus our foundation. And uh, Paul starts to really lay, lay that out here, starting in verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. Oh, I think I read verse 5 there too. But 3 and 4. So he starts off the letter and he commends them. Remember, he hasn't been there. He hasn't been there yet. So he starts off and he commends them. What does, he, what does he commend them for? You can talk in church, it's okay. What's he commend them for? Faith. Yes, faith in Jesus Christ. Anything else? Love for the saints. Yeah, hey, I got the same ones. Um, yes, faith in Jesus Christ and love for all the saints. And uh, it just as I was, I was thinking about that, I thought, if Paul... We're writing this today, right? And he's writing it to Huron Chapel to us today. What would he commend us for? If he hadn't visited here, if he had just... What's the word on the street about Huron Chapel? I actually want some answers. <laughs> Anything? What comes to mind? What do you think they say about us? Family? 
family. They're a family over there. I've heard, when I pray for you, I've heard about how you're a family. Anything else? Kids programs. Your love for kids. I love that. I'm going to kick that over. Yeah, your love for kids. I think of your missions and just how many missionaries you support and the incredible work you do there to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. What about a little more personal? What, What do people say about you? If I was to go ask your co-workers, your family members, your friends, the people you interact with, your customers, uh, what would they say about you? That one you don't have to yell out. But, hmm? but it's something to think about. He's commending them. What is it that, that God would say? What would he commend us for? And then he goes on, verse 5. I had already started to read it there. Um, it starts with because. So Paul commends them for these good things. Your, your faith in Christ, so that's your trust, your belief, right? Your faith in Christ, your Christianity really, and your love for all the saints and how they love the saints. And he says because, and so this is where that foundation is going to come in. This is what he sees, those things, we see the fruit of what the foundation is. The hope laid up for you in heaven Of this you heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So the foundation, it's obvious it's the gospel, isn't it? It's the gospel. The word gospel just means good news. What good news? The good news of Jesus, right? And so he commends them right off the bat. This is... Um, these things, we see these, this is the word on the street about you, and I know that it's built on this foundation of the gospel. The truth, and that, that gospel truth, well, first off, at the end there, at the end of verse 6, it says, by the grace of God, the grace of God in truth. And so, by grace, first off, what's our foundation built out of? Well, first, it's the grace of God, right? It's, the, the word grace means... Um, something given to you that you don't deserve, right? Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. And, and we, salvation, God didn't have to do that, right? For God to humble himself and come down, be born as a baby, and to live the difficult human life, to be killed, to rise again for our sin, to take the punishment that we deserved, right? That undeserved grace is what that foundation the gospel is built on. And it's that grace in truth. And so it's not just, when we say in truth, what do we mean by the gospel in truth, the truth of Jesus? What do we mean by that? Well, it's, it's not just that Jesus, the things we say about Jesus are true. You know, that he's the son of God, that he came, was born of the Virgin Mary, lived the perfect sinless life, died on the cross, paid for our sins, rose again on the third day, ascended to heaven, is sitting at the right hand of God. All of these, those things are true, but when we say that Jesus is the truth, John 14, when he say that he's the truth, we're saying so much more than that. We're saying that Jesus is the foundation of all truth, that he's, he's the, he is what all truth is built on, right? And we're talking about that foundation again. 
And this is something, this would have been already starting to speak specifically, Paul speaks speak specifically to the issues they were having, right? Because this church, they had all these things, you had to have this secret knowledge over here, and they're trying to figure out what's true, what's not. And Paul's just saying, look it, Jesus is the foundation of all truth. Don't forget your foundation, the truth of the gospel. And for us today, don't we need that? Man, we live in a world where everybody gets to have their own truth. Whatever your opinion is, is your truth. And not only do you get to have your truth, you can, you got social media and everything, you can just let the world know, whoever will listen. And it's your truth versus their truth. Everybody has their own truth and they can just put it out there. And so now what you have on top of that, the last couple of years, all we hear about is false information and misinformation, those words, right? And it's from everybody, all pointing at the other person and saying the other one. Because there's no foundation of truth. They have nothing to build it on. It's just whatever their opinion is. And so you can point to anybody else as them being false information, if my truth is mine. That's the world that we're living in right now, that we're trying to be the church in. Right? And so we need this today. We need to reestablish Jesus as the foundation of truth that all reality is built on. You can't have truth without having a foundation to build it on. And Jesus is that truth. Um... Not only that, we have more information sources than any time in the history of the world. At your fingertips on you, right? We can access, ask any question. Okay? In a world where there's more information than ever before, it's more divided, more arguing, right? Less truth, more confusion than any time in history, it seems. That's the world that we're living in. We need to have Jesus, that foundation. And so Jesus came and he lived the truest human life, to be our example. He taught us the truest words. I think how many times Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you. Live that truest life for us as an example to us. So we need to put everything through that filter of who Jesus is, his words. He's the foundation of the truth that we build it on. And then you can see on that foundation, by the grace of God, the truth of the gospel, Jesus is that truth. Look what else we get. Verse 5, we have the hope of heaven, right? Eternal life, John 3.16. So that, that gospel, that foundation gives us both eternal life, and it bears fruit, right? And so it's, and uh, when the gospel, when it's built on the foundation of Jesus, it will bear fruit. And so Paul knows that. He says, that's where this is coming from. You, these, these things that I've heard about you, they're built on the gospel because we're seeing the fruit of it, right? despite the challenges they're having. And it should, it should be evident in our lives, right? When we build our lives on the gospel, the truth of Jesus, it should be evident in our behaviors, our, the ABCs, our attitudes, behaviors, our character. It's just to be obvious, that fruit. And so that's the foundation piece. Paul's reminding these people, and God's reminding us, that our faith is founded on the truth of Jesus that we receive from God, not something we came up with, and it's the source of our eternal hope and a fruitful life. And so then just to finish off this, this section here, um, verses 7 and 8, um, Paul's speaking to this specific Colossian church. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, that's learned it, the gospel, from Epaphras, our, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So just uh, one interesting thing out of this one, I underlined learned there because... Uh, um, that word learned could have been translated discipled, 
So it wasn't just, Paphras just didn't go in and just kind of hold a class and say, okay, hey, here's some new knowledge I got from Paul in Ephesus. Listen, you know, he came alongside and he discipled them. It's, it's the same word, if you have a cross-reference there, same word used in Matthew 11 when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, right? Same word. Same idea, and if you know that kind of yoke idea, they take two oxen and an experienced older one and the new one they're training, and they yoke them together. And then the farmer would set to work, and that younger one would learn, the younger ox would learn just literally by walking side by side with the older experienced one. And uh, that's that picture, that's that idea. So they learned it, Epaphras discipled them. And it should be a challenge for us too. So our foundation, and now... Our devotion, verses 9, starting at verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so the first thing, if we're going to, we have the foundation laid, the good news of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, that's what we're building it on, right? And so now if we're going to build on that, now we have to act. And what are we going to do to build? Well, first thing, to know what to do, we need to know what it is God would like us to do. That's his will. And so the first thing is to know God's will. How do we be, take that next step and be devoted, start to move towards something? We need to know his will. And that comes through spiritual wisdom and understanding is how it's put there. Um, and so this is interesting. This is, Paul's not shying away from the idea that we do need knowledge. We do need wisdom and understanding. And we get that through God's word, speaking to us by the Holy Spirit to our hearts. That's how we get that spirit that, to know God's will, right? So that when we can obey. And so... Paul's not shying away from the idea of you need knowledge. Because remember, he's trying to fight off this false teaching that you need this secret knowledge. But he's saying, yes, you still need to have the knowledge, but it's founded on Jesus, right? And, and there's something here for us today, right? That we can read our Bibles without... Just reading your Bible doesn't mean that God's speaking to you. You realize that? Just, just reading it? I, this... this really hit home to me when I was in Bible school, and we were taking this Old Testament um, theology class and signed a couple textbooks, and I'm reading through one of these textbooks, and as I'm going through it, I'm starting to think, and, and university textbooks, theology textbooks are pretty dense, so sometimes you're thinking, maybe I'm not just getting it, but it just seemed like it was devoid of the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? Like, it just didn't seem to have, like, and I got to a point where I'm like, I don't even, is this author even a Christian? Like, I can be, I'm starting to get angry as I'm reading, like, writing harder and stuff, like, stroking stuff out. I'm like, I'm getting frustrated reading this textbook. And finally, I couldn't take it. And I stood up to my prof and I went, I'm like, is this guy even Christian? Like, I, and he goes, no, he's not. And I went, what? And he said, yeah, he said, I could give you, there's lots of textbooks that just kind of say, but he goes, most of the students in Bible school have already, if I wanted something that would challenge you, that would make you think and make you fight and wrestle with. I thought, okay, you could have told me first, but, um, but, uh, but anyways, it was probably, I mean, I still remember it to this day, but as I reflect back on that, I think this written by this doctor, high accolades, so this guy, that his entire doctoral career devoted to studying the Old Testament, and he's an atheist. I think, how could that be? You know, how could you have that much knowledge in the Bible and not be a Christian, Right? 
And that just said to me that it's not just reading the words. We know it is God's word because we believe that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit and that he can speak to us through it. And I mean speak to us in what we're going through today, this week. That God's looking to speak to you in your situations. Today, just as he did when, he, when Paul wrote it to the Colossians, right? That God can speak to you in your situation because it's God's word inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can speak into your life that way. And so when we're reading, we, we need to read with that. That, Lord, it's not just some words that we're not just checking off that we did our duty, right? We want you to speak to us. And so kind of similar to what Lynn kind of spoke about a couple weeks ago, if I can just give you a couple tips, and I don't know if you're writing stuff down or something, but here's just a couple tips for Bible study. When you're doing your devotions, whenever that is, before you start, just take a minute and just pause and, and talk to God. Remember, talking is two ways, so talk and listen. What is it that you have going on in your life that day, or that week, that day, that week coming up? What are the situations that you're, you're going into? What are the, the relationships that you're in the middle of? Maybe there's what's going on in those decisions you have to make, right? What is it that's going on? What's on your heart when you just quiet your mind before God? What is it that kind of rises to the surface? This is what's on my heart and mind. And bring those to God. And then as you read, look for God to speak. Don't just read through it. Be asking yourself, God, are you looking to, is any of this you looking to speak? And it doesn't mean that every time he's going to answer everything, but it's a relationship, right? And you're listening, and so you read with intent. Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. Is there anything you're looking to say to me today? And then if he does, write it down and tell somebody, okay? Write it down. We're all human, and we know how we are, right? (laughs) We need to write it down, and we need to tell somebody, right? And then we need to follow through. And so Paul... Um, encouraging us here, God's word encouraging us to, in order to know his will. And then, the next part, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And as I was studying this, I thought I could get into what does it mean to walk in a manner worthy, pleasing, what are all those things, and really dig into it. And I just stopped and I thought, but I don't think I need to. Because I think really what this is getting at is the heart, right? And the question is, do you want to please him? Do you honestly want to please Jesus? That's what being devoted is. That heart, it's getting to the heart. Do you really honestly want to please him? And not just while we're sitting here today on a Sunday. Tuesday at 2 p.m. I don't know where you'll be or what you'll be doing. But in that moment, are you looking to please God? Are you looking to walk in a manner that's worthy? That moment. Thursday at 8. What are you doing? Is your heart to please him in that moment? Because I think if we start there and we get our hearts right... The walking in a manner worthy will come easy, right? We'll know what that is. God will, God will reveal that to you. And trying to please him, being obedient to that will please him, right? It starts with the heart. That's what being devoted means. 
So Jesus is our foundation. Jesus is our devotion. And now, coming to the end, why is he worthy of that devotion? What makes him worthy of that devotion? Starting at verse 11. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's why it's worth devoting our lives to him. Right? Because he gave everything for us. He gave his entire life. And so he's worthy of all our praise. He's worthy of giving our lives to. He redeemed us. He forgives our sin. That picture that is given there, that, that delivered from a dominion of darkness into that, that kingdom of light, right? I just like that picture because it, it describes the, the, the life, human life, so well, right? If you just picture like the human life is like you're in a dark room, right? And, and really, all, if you just found yourself in a dark room all of a sudden, right, what would you do? Well, all you could do would be just to kind of search around for something, try and figure out life, I guess, right? And so you'd search around, you might feel something. What is it, right? And you're trying to figure out what that is, and you're figuring out, what, what do I do with it? Can, it? can it make my life better? Can it help me in some way? Does it make me happy, sad? You know, and you try, and you do something with it, and you think, and then you, it doesn't work, and so you go over here, and you find something else, and you're feeling that. What is that? What do I do with it? That's the picture of life without God, right? It's that idea that you're going through life and you're trying. And in this human life, we have relationships and we have our work life and our education and family and kids and, and all these different things, church life, right? All these things that come into being a human being, the pleasures of life, the challenges of life, right? All those things. And we're just trying to kind of navigate our way through it. And the gospel light is like someone flipped the light on, right? All of a sudden, the truth of Jesus and the gospel gives us our foundation, who created us, why we were created. It gives us our purpose in this life, right? And it gives us the door out. It gives us the, the picture of where we're headed when life is done, right? All of that becomes perfectly visible. And now all of a sudden, relationships and marriage and kids and church and work, all those things make sense in light of why we were created, what our purpose is, and where we're headed, right? It's like we flip the light on. That's the delivering from the dominion of darkness. It's not just a salvation. It makes sense of all things in life, right? That's the picture. And so, if you're not a Christian here today, um, and maybe you've been, you've been trying that stuff, you've been looking in life, you've been struggling for purpose, for meaning, you just kind of feel lost, right? I encourage you to look to Jesus. Um, find out who he is. Right? Get, get your Bible, the, the first couple books in the New Testament are the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We have Bibles here if you don't have one. Find us, talk to us. Right? We'll give you one. But just look to Jesus. Who is he? What did he do? Okay? And we'd love to help you on that journey. If you're not a Christian, if you're searching for something, Jesus offers 
life. And he would say, if you're willing to surrender your life to him, to say, I'm going to stop doing life my way, and I want to do it your way. That's what, that's what, sin is doing life your way instead of God's way. That's kind of my definition of it. So if you're ready to say, I'm going to stop doing it my way. I'm going to, Lord, I want to do it your way. I want to follow you, be obedient to whatever you lead. Um, Jesus promises it will be the most fulfilling life you can have. And then for us as Christians, um, what Jesus did for us should be the foundation of, of our devotion to him. It should create such, look at those words, such power and endurance and, and patience and joy and thanks in our hearts, right? To be able to follow him. And it's amazing that he doesn't just save us, but he gives us those things in order to then follow and walk in a way that is worthy. Right? His patience, his endurance to go through this, this life. We don't do it alone. He gives us the power to live out our Christian life. And so how do we, how do we apply this this week? Question. We want to be doers of the word, not just hearers. And so this is something we'll probably see every week, okay? And so, again, if you're writing anything down, and I'd really encourage you to, um, something is, what is one thing from today that God spoke to you? One thing that you, by the grace of God, will look to do this week. And it might be, it might be something that you're working on yourself, something that God's been working on you, and you're just going to rely you need that patience that strength that joy one of those things and just your personal walk with him maybe like the colossian church jesus had kind of been put a little bit to the side for you and you need to kind of lift him up and put him back in his right place just in your own relationship with him and he's asking you just to take one step one small thing this week a devotional time uh, praying with your spouse uh, bible story with your kids uh, you know, something, what is it? Maybe it's, maybe there's something that God's been saying you need to stop doing, right? And by God's grace and his strength, you repent of that, and you take a step towards, towards that. Maybe it's something relational, right? Maybe it's something between you and someone else that God's saying, make that right. Make that right. Take a step this week to make that right. Just one step. Text them, email them, call them, something. <laughs> right? Take one step. And so I'm just going to give you a, a minute and uh, just to think about that, talk to God, and, uh, and then we'll close in prayer. And then my reminder to you, write it down and tell someone you trust. Lord Jesus, we want to lift you up. We want to lift you high. We want to fix our eyes on you. 
Lord, if other things in our life have taken the place of where you should be, Lord, show that to us. Rekindle our our love for you, our first love in our hearts is you, Lord. God, if there's things that we've been struggling with and we've been trying to find answers to, Lord, we would bring them to you, Jesus. You are the truth. Give us wisdom. Give us understanding. Give us direction. As we walk and seek to walk lives that are worthy and pleasing to you. Lord Jesus, as a church, Lord, bring us together. Unite us, God, we pray. May there be forgiveness where there needs to be forgiveness, Lord, and reconciliation. Lord, might be relationships be built deeper and stronger, that we would spur one another on, that we would support one another, pray for one another. Build us strong, Lord, that we can build this church to be a light to those around us. Give us opportunity this week, we pray. Give us eyes to see the people that you put in our lives and give us the boldness with gentleness to act as you would act, Jesus. For it's all for you. For the glory of your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.